Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic, Marcus Stead with Greg Lance Watkins as always, in the week that the big parties launched their manifestos for the upcoming general election. We take a look at what's inside them. Greg, we've talked a lot about the polls in recent podcasts and we both predicted that as the campaign started to develop, there would be a concentration among the two biggest parties, Labour and Conservative. And sure enough, that does appear to be happening. Uh, The ICM poll that's come out today and we're recording this on Monday evening shows um, the Conservative Party on 41%, Labour on 34% the Lib Dems back on 13%, and the collapse of the Brexit party vote, which is now down to 4%. So their their percentage points have effectively gone down by two-thirds in three weeks. And do you think this is just a concentration of minds? People have ultimately got to pick a side in which direction they want to go on with the Brexit issue in particular. And this is very much a Brexit election. If you want Brexit, you're going to have to vote for Boris Johnson's Conservative Party, and that pragmatism is does appear to be dawning now. The person with the biggest difficulty in any of the political parties at the moment is, without a doubt, Corbyn. He hasn't got a clue who to vote for uh, because he doesn't know what he wants. Mm. Um, but I think, to some extent, we, um, both of us, have a right to somewhat congratulate ourselves so far because this is almost exactly what we predicted. Mm. I think it's going to go on crystallising. I'm actually at this stage, unless one of the very key Tory personalities, uh, which amounts to Boris Johnson or possibly Boris Johnson, falls into a man trap with some something seriously major, I think that it's playing quite well uh, for the Tories and their possibility of Uh, a better-than-workable majority is improving. Uh, It's still going to be difficult, Mark, you, because of the fracturing of the parties, uh, in that although Labour stand a much reduced chance of winning because they uh, will get no seats in one of their heart areas, which is Scotland, they do have the probability of sharing with almost anyone to get themselves into power. Yeah, the problem they've got with Labour, and we'll talk more about the Labour manifesto in a moment, is that in finding coalition partners, it does seem as though Joe Swinson at the Lib Dems and Nicola Sturgeon are moving in directions where they're saying we could do a coalition deal of some sort or confidence and supply arrangement with Labour, but not so much with Jeremy Corbyn himself, which may prove to be a sticking issue. And one thing Corbyn has been relatively clear about in recent days is that a second Scottish independence referendum would not happen in the early years of a Corbyn government. So things are, are, are pretty muddy there. But towards the end of last week, we had the um, the Conservative Party manifesto launch. And there, there was just a huge amount. Um, Boris Johnson was, was throwing pledgings and other undertakings and promises at the audience at a rate that was quite hard to take in. He was just boom, 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 boom all the way through. So according to Boris Johnson, the manifesto pledge was uh, 20,000 more police officers, 6,000 more GPs, 50,000 more nurses with nurse bursaries, uh, concentration on technical education with the development of talent and research, Research spending is doubled, uh, a billion pounds more for social care, half a billion to be spent on potholes, tax on small businesses to be cut, the living wage raised with no increase in income tax, 
the IFS sounded unconvinced by this, but uh, as Norman Tebbit said in his uh, his latest Telegraph Online article, he thinks, and I think Tebbit is right to say this, they may they may have underestimated the post-Brexit bounce as many of the decisions that have already been delayed by the uncertainty of around Brexit go ahead. So it's not as far-fetched as it sounds. There's one word of caution in that I was listening to a retired nurse speaking on the radio earlier today on LBC, and she was saying that this figure of 50,000 more nurses sounds very nice and is indeed necessary, but where are you going to find these 50,000 nurses from? That is much less clear. Now, what is equally less clear is 19,500 of these 50,000 aren't new nurses, they're just a new optimism in being able to hang on to 19,500 of them. So the figures are a little bit smoke and mirrors uh, from everybody. But as to uh, forming an alliance, I don't think there is going to be a need for Johnson to form an alliance. And as our listeners will be well aware, um, whether I like Johnson or not, um, he's the only person that... I could consider voting for because he's the only one who is delivering a remotely sensible Brexit plan, albeit not a good one. Mm. It is the best on the table. Corbyn can make promises all he likes. Um, This is the man who promised um, and all of his um, eventual MPs will be the ones who promised to honour Uh, the democratic vote, whether we had Brexit or not, who have totally reneged on it. So the fact that he is saying outright that he would not permit Scotland to have a referendum, it's my belief that he permits absolutely anything to get his hands on power. Old man in a hurry. Well, we look at Jeremy Corbyn then. And what we're seeing is there's an under, underlying nasty stench to the Labour campaign. You find even people who've been in Labour for many, many years are now saying quite openly that they find that Corbyn's this stench of anti-Semitism and the, the underlying sympathy for terrorist groups both here and overseas does not sit comfortably with them. Corbyn has at last decided on a policy towards Brexit in that he's now firmly committed to don't know. His policy is in effect to negotiate a new deal within six months, then put it to a referendum in which he would remain neutral, uh, which is in itself a ludicrous policy. And I'm not that surprised that so many decent members of his own party are simply giving up. Now, let me ask you something, Greg. Have you actually read the Labour manifesto in depth? Not in depth. No, well... (laughs) Because he's never going to implement it, so why read it in depth? Well, there's some interesting stuff in there if you look among the pages of it. Well, uh, housing, for starters, a complete farce. He's promised 100,000 houses. Yet, when called to task by Andrew Neil on uh, television, uh, he couldn't state how many houses Labour were responsible for building at any particular stage. Uh, and particularly the fact that the one area uh, where labor is control of how much is uh, how many houses are built happens to be Wales with the devolved responsibility uh, and last year we weren't even talking of a percentage of a hundred thousand 
Labour in Wales built 59 houses. Um, so his promise of 100,000 is a complete farce. It's also a farce because we haven't got sufficient building companies. We don't have enough trained builders. We don't have enough bricks or building blocks. What's he going to build them out of? And how is he going to have all that lined up? And as a point of interest, where is the land that he's going to have lined up for 100,000 houses uh, in his first year? Well, Let's all, all about laughing. Obviously, his manifesto is a total crop. Well, his manifesto becomes even more farcical than that. Uh, this is all stuff that can be found deep within the pages of it. Uh, and I'm going to read it out to you and I'm going to let you back in. This, this is quite a list. You'll gasp along the way, but let me get to Are the end. Are we going to have time in 20 minutes? Uh, we will do, quite easily. But um, gasp along the way, then I'll let you back in. Uh, so there's going to be an apology offered to blacks and, uh, I put inverted commas, Asians over their participation in colonial armies. Gender transformative approach across all our international work. They will lead an international effort to create a nuclear-free world. The rights of people in Western Sahara, there are references to that. Stop the outsourcing of foreign policy to Donald Trump. Immediately end hereditary peers in the House of Lords. Provide sufficient funding for schools to deliver mandatory LGBT+, inclusive relationships and sex education. Put LGBT plus equality at the heart of government, ensuring our public services are LGBT plus inclusive and delivering on the National LGBT plus Action Plan. Capital letters for action and plan there. Stop the Conservatives' injustice on women, black, Asian and minority ethnic and LGBT plus communities and disabled people. Not Nothing there about men, though, but there's just those. And here we go, finally. Conduct an audit of the impact of Britain's colonial legacy to understand our contribution to the dynamics of violence and insecurity across regions previously under British colonial rule. I'm going to stop there, otherwise we'll be here all night. But you get the idea of how this is very much a manifesto for wokeness. It's not what people are talking about in the South Wales Valleys or in the industrial north of England or in the industrial Midlands or the old mining communities of Yorkshire or County Durham or the mill towns of Lancashire. This is the middle class, woke, young, leftist manifesto. And I think this is where there's this huge schism between the Labour Party and the Labour membership and the Labour voters in the party's own heartlands. Actually, it's a good job you stop there because I was about to up Chuck. It's a farce. Mm. Uh, it's political correctness and virtue signalling and not a single solitary policy of any con consequence whatsoever. Mm. Not a single solitary justifiable comment. Um, when are we going to get reparations from Italy for the number of slaves they took from Britain mm. under the Roman era? When are we getting re reparations from North Africa for the number of Barbary traders who seized young men and women as, to sell in the slave markets of North Africa? Sorry, this is just nonsense. What's underlying with Labour, particularly the modern-day Labour Party, is an actual hatred for this country, our history and our values. 
they don't like Britain or Britain's track record in this world. And they'll pick out... You, you, it's no good judging... Well, the can, st- I, can I fault you there? Hmm. They don't know what it was, hmm. quite blatantly. I've been to many Commonwealth countries, and I can think of not one that didn't benefit from it being Britain rather than Germany. Look at East Africa. Look at um, Germany's influence in its colonies, where in East Africa they were carrying out genocide Mm. against the people, actually wiping out tribes deliberately. Mm. Or France, where if you look at the genocide between the Hutu um, and uh, the Tutsi, the others, the Tutsi in Rwanda, Mm. uh, they that was directly due to the French and the French just walking out, having created this layer of hatred. Mm. This Mozambique collapsed into war when the Portuguese left. Angola collapsed into war, an appalling war. All this this is true, but is is there not an underlying thing here that there's this sort of left-wing guilt complex that's infected the Labour Party. Whereas you look at Corbyn, he talks about all this stuff, uh, the rights and wrongs. You cannot judge the standards of 100, 200, 300 years ago by the standards of what we consider to be right or wrong today. You just cannot do it for the reasons you've just outlined. It can get very messy if you start going on about the Roman Empire as well, going back much, much further. But there is this this left-wing guilt complex. And yet, Corbyn, this doesn't extend with Corbyn to things like... It's all very well. He would presumably support um, putting people who are now elderly, who were once British soldiers, on trial for things that may have gone on in, in Northern Ireland in the 1960s. Yet I bet he would not approve of a full inquiry into something like the Brighton bomb. OK, we know Patrick McGee's involvement, but finding out the chain of command top to bottom... Who actually gave the orders to do that to him? And the people who were released under the Belfast Agreement, sometimes wrongly called the Good Friday Agreement for political reasons, Corbyn wouldn't support any inquiries into those sort of things, would he? He is so out of touch with the realities of the world Hmm. and he is playing on the fact that the people he is hoping to dupe into voting for him are the people with the least knowledge and understanding of the world Mm. Um, name a commonwealth country out of the very many that we had that within 10 years of our uh, leaving having given them independence ended up in genocidal war don't forget that when we went to the subcontinent of India, we were taking over effectively from what was at the time the collapsing Mughal Empire. People were dying in literally their millions about every 10 years in that year's famine. We stabilized that. We managed to leave the countries both which then separated um, to India and Pakistan. However, we must remember that when we took on the countries, they each had their own rulers. They were warring princedoms throughout the region. 
we ended up with the two main blocks. Uh, I would agree that um, Pakistan is far from happy now, but we did part company with Pakistan in terms of any form of direct rule 70 years ago. I think we did a damn good job in almost every country we went to. Yeah, the, the wrongs of it, the things which would sit uncomfortably with most right-thinking people today, you have to look at it in its historical context and not by the standards of what we regard as right and wrong today. And that's the important thing. So he's up, if, if Corbyn is talking about reparations, uh, financial reparations for what went on hundreds of years ago, you open a Pandora's box and you don't know where that stops. But one final point then on Labour's other spending pledges. It, it sounds like a list for Father Christmas. We talked about it in some depth last week. I would add this uh, in relation to the, some of the feedback we also had from last week's podcast. If people listening to this are still tempted to vote for Corbyn's Labour Party and they think the last 10 years of austerity have been tough, so-called austerity, it, it is nothing to compare to the state this country would be in after five years of Jeremy Corbyn and John MacDonald. I have travelled, as you know, extensively. If only the people who might vote for the Labour Party had travelled, they would realise just how well off we are in Britain, even if it is uncomfortable. Who said life was going to be a bed of roses? Other countries, you watch children fighting the dogs who are fighting with the vultures for the scraps on garbage heaps. You go to Mexico and you watch the children climbing in and out of drains in the center of the city because they hide in the drains from exploitation because they're homeless and have no parents. You see that in several countries in South America. You watch people in Venezuela fleeing by literally the millions over the border because they are starving. And this is all that is seems to be acclaimed by Corbyn. I can't think of a country, even judged in the context of time, out of the context of time, should I say, that is due any realistic concept of reparation from Britain. Do you think... On a final note then, I predicted at the start of this election campaign that the end result would likely be a Conservative majority of about 80. And I'm going to stand by that. Certain polls in recent days have said we could be a, a Conservative majority of about 40. I think there'll be this continuing concentration of percentage points towards the two main parties at the expense of the smaller parties. You weren't quite as bold as I was in predicting a majority of about 80. Where do you think we're heading? I still think that the, the um, difficult point uh, is the SNP. Uh, they will get votes in Scotland. The Tories won't get any substantial number of MPs in Scotland. That gives an immediate oversized block based on in terms of the population because don't forget scotland um, has more mps per population uh, in percentage terms than uh, the rest of britain i also think that although there is a swing away from labor there are those who are 
tribally stuck in history in uh, areas of Wales um, who will have be, been beguiled by this um, guilt trip that uh, they are expected to um, believe in. Um, so I think that you're being optimistic with 80, but I think there will be a majority, a clear majority. I just rather hope that it will be a majority um, clear of any ability of any grouping to form a dissident government of those who hate uh, these United Kingdoms. My thanks as always to Greg and my thanks to you for listening. If you want to get in touch, feel free to drop me a tweet. I'm at Marcus Stead. See you next week.